passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right. Good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, 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 Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. podcast, we are back. I guess we've had a little bit of a layoff, but it really hasn't been a layoff because we're doing one once a week. We did it last Monday, and now it's Thursday of the next week. So one a week, we're doing uh, more than most other podcasts are uh, during this time, and especially the football offseason. Yeah, if I didn't have a bad arm, I'd pat myself on the back for continuing to at least try to uh, plug along here, even though with the schedule and the draft and everything now in the uh, rearview mirror, there's not a lot of actual news, although teams around the NFL are starting to return. Um, We'll see the Patriots in some form or fashion return in the next few days. We've seen Julian Edelman working out via his Instagram at the uh, Gillette Stadium Fieldhouse. Yeah. Uh, looking like he's in very good shape, by the way. Uh, yep. Absolutely shredded. Uh, I don't know if that'll help him stay healthy and catch 100 passes and as he's 34 years old. But um, I would say the biggest story in all of sports is not just the NFL, but everybody's trying to figure out their plan of what they're going to do, how they're going to return, whether it's you know the NBA playing maybe at Disney yep. or the NHL picking a couple places and they're planning their uh, play-in tournament for the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball with – every minute detail they're proposing except um, the finances of how the players are going to get happy. So kind of important. yeah, the biggest, we'll leave the biggest hurdle for the end. We'll jump over these little hurdle, little hurdle, little hurdle, and then the big massive hurdle we'll leave at the end. But I mean, everybody, I think even our state in Massachusetts slowly working towards reopening with youth sports and phase two and all those things. So um, I guess there's some progress, but every time you feel like there's some progress, it feels like then you, dig a little deeper or think a little longer and you realize it's still an uphill battle and that the whole idea of sort of getting everybody on the same page and getting everybody to agree and then the finances and whether it's worth it if you're not playing in front of fans and that whole there's still there's still a lot of devils in a lot of these details I think yeah we'll get to it later at the NFL uh, just talking about how they they stand but I guess in New England and the actual sports, one of the bigger topics of the week has been Tom Brady. Uh, he's not in New England. 
Well, it's still a big talker in New England. It is, unfortunately. Um, he was seen – the Tampa Bay Times got pictures of him working out at some local school in Tampa Bay. There was – in the story it said this wasn't the first time he's done it the last couple of weeks. Uh, I wrote a column basically saying this is evidence that Brady changed his last three years in New England because he stopped going to OTAs. Now all of a sudden he's back to having these captain's practices essentially, so clearly he's changed. That didn't really go over very well with not only uh, Patriots fans, but also Tampa Bay fans. I got uh, lumped in with some bloggers and writers down there, not happy with what I wrote, but I stand by it. It's evidence that he changed, and I don't care if you want to say that there was marital problems and that's why he didn't go to OTAs. Well, what's the difference now? Did he, that, was the marriage saved? Like, did, he, did those two years do something? Like, he still changed. I'm standing by it. Uh, I agree with you 100%. He changed. Now, the only question is whether it was, you know, the the sort of blaming the family or using the family as an excuse, was that really just part of a negotiation where he didn't want, he wasn't going to be as invested in the Patriots. He wasn't happy with the way it was going. So to pout and sort of use it as leverage, he didn't go. Or was he honestly going through marital, marital troubles? I find that harder to believe now. I mean, I know he's in a new place and there's a honeymoon period and maybe Giselle is all on board. Okay, I understand new place. I want you to succeed. I want you to stick it to Belichick. So, yep, I understand you can do this because otherwise it feels like, you know, you get yelled at for not taking the garbage out and you take it out for a couple of days and then you stop taking it out again, right? right? And then, like, it's a temporary thing. The one thing I will say is apparently we owe, like, the Jerry Thorntons and the Fitzies of the world an apology because they're – Tom Brady butt swabs or whatever, honks, whatever you want to call them, at least they had good reason to be Tom Brady rump swabs. They got 20 years of winning and success and fun. Um, the Tampa homers that are all up Brady's butt and defending him for everything he does, he just got there. You haven't seen him. Most of you haven't even spoken with him or even been in the oh. same room with him, and you're treating him like he's like this Jesus God who can do no wrong. And I would like to, like, if these people are trying to get in his good graces, like, you're not going to talk to him. He's not the guy that hangs around the locker room and, and you know, is going to play favorites. He's not going to do that, especially at this point in his career. It's just baffling to me. And the other thing that people were saying was, oh, well, because of the coronavirus and quarantine, he's been stuck at his house, you know, with Giselle all this time. So he's, she's allowing him to go do this. Well, I would also say OTAs aren't exactly a big commitment either. They're no. three, three to four days a week, six hours a day. And hypothetically, his kid should be in school during that time, so he's not really missing anything either. I just think it's you know a convenient thing to point out that he has that he's been at home because of coronavirus. But you could also say that he could easily have done OTAs the last two years and it not really had much of an impact on his at-home life. And you say six hours. I think if he wanted to, he could have done less than that. I think he could have showed up for the on-field portion of OTAs with Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and those guys last year and or the year before and yep. just done you know the necessary stuff not maybe do meetings and mut as much leave that to right. josh and so it's really it was always overblown how much otas were and how much it allowed him to spend more time other than yeah certainly you could stay in costa rica for an entire week and not have to be in the boston area but um the whole thing annoys me and you know your column got very much read you know, the reality is you put Tom Brady on the website, people still click on it, read about it, care a whole hell of a lot. Um, so I'm kind of writing a column yeah. for later in the week about when can we stop doing this? Like I understood, I knew we'd keep track of his record, his success, like what was right. happening. I didn't know every time he posted a picture of something on Instagram or every time he threw a football to a couple of receivers on a high school field, 
we had to like talk about it and write six columns about it and like can we move on i'm sort of using in my you probably you're not a country fan are you the toby keith song that he wrote about like mm-hmm driving by his ex-wife's house and it's like you know that's my house that's my wife but that's not my truck in the driveway that's what this feels like like we're just obsessed with driving by the ex's house to see you know what's going on who's over for dinner like i hate it here's the thing though i think that we're only doing it because of the world we're in right now like if the bruins were in the playoffs the celtics were in the playoffs the red sox were playing i think it would be a story but a secondary story and not get the attention that it's getting that may be and hopefully that's true and maybe we'll find out come July if we have sports back and all three, you know, other major sports are playing and competing in the postseason. I just, it just annoys me. And maybe it's just Brady's saturation because we've, we've basically dealt with this for years now. Like every question about his future, his career, his retirement, his supplements, his trainer, his wife, like, I I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be sick of the whole Tom Brady saga, but I, I kind of came to the end of my rope and this week was like the perfect example. Cause it was everywhere and everybody went gaga. And I mean, I think your reaction was hundred percent, right? This was proof that he invested differently the last couple of years in new England than he's clearly investing. Um, it, and I will say that that's also normal to some degree. Well, yeah. I wasn't even blaming him. Like right. I related it to a, a job situation. If you know, you're going to leave a job and you're still working in the last, whatever, a couple of weeks, you're not going to put the same effort in as you did before. But when you get to your new job, you're going to be more invested and do more to make sure you're on the same page and show the extra effort to your new employer. It's just human nature. Like, I'm not blaming him for it. I'm just pointing out because, you know, as well as I do, last year, the year before that, everybody was sort of not saying it was not a big deal that Brady missed OTAs. They don't matter, blah, blah, blah. They won a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Well, if they didn't matter, then why is he having these captain's practices now with his new team? because the Brady rump swabs are always going to spin it in whatever way Brady handles it. It's positive if you're not there because, oh, you're getting the best of Tom Brady when he's there because he needs to mentally prepare to be there by waiting with his family. Now that he's actually there and working out, well, that's the best course of action for Tom because he needs to be there. He knows the, like it's whatever he does is right. Whatever Tom Brady does is right in the eyes of so many Brady rump swabs. That's, I guess that's why I get labeled sort of a Brady hater, even though I don't hate him. I've always liked him. I've always respected him. I think he's a great player. But I think he's also – you can question some of his individual moves and the things he does and motives. And, you know, it's, it's like all of a sudden people are like, oh, Brady's changed. And, you know, the TB12 method, he's – you know, the protect supplements. He's taking advantage. But he's been doing that for years. He's been active on social media for years. He's been more focused on TV 12 for years. You just care to notice now because you're in a mindset where you're willing to critique him because he's not your quarterback anymore. Some of us were objective and were able to critique him when he was still here. Correct. And like some people were were replying to my tweets, oh, you've been saying this because Brady's out the door now. He's gone to your trash and blah, blah. Me and others were criticizing him for not going to OTAs when he was here. Correct. This is is a, a thing. And I also think that some of these people in Tampa Bay don't really fully understand like the backstory of how it was perceived Brady in New England. And so they're kind of just seeing this piece now and it could be taken as sort of, you know, trashing on the way out the door. But this was the case for the last three, four years. Right. And I don't really understand how it's trashing him to point out facts. Like it's facts. Right. He's not throwing with these guys. He's taking part in activities or even going out of his way to take part in activities in May when he previously didn't take part in activities. So like, you can interpret it however you want. Those are facts. It's right. the reality. And it's also not like in recent years they had the same receiving core. 
Like no. they had, they, had you know, they brought in a bunch of free agents. And I know a lot of them didn't make the team, but maybe they would have had a better chance of making the team if he had worked out with these guys in the offseason. And then the example last year is Nikhil Harry, a first round pick. Sure, you had him over to your house once. You plastered all over social media. And how much did you really gain by that one, you know, whatever they did for that one day? Right. Oh, I think this whole discussion would be a lot different if it were like Moss, Welker, and Gronk. If those were his targets the last three years, and you were like, they don't really need to work out. They know what they're doing. But that's not the situation. The, the weapons have been overhauled and had major changes year to year, major questions year to year, and he wasn't there to answer those questions. And again, I, I, I don't really understand why pointing out facts is like, bashing a guy or you know hatchet job so right. no, you, you did a very good column it got read some people got mad and that's a good column you got to get people a little if people disagree with you if there's at least a 50 50 split or something like that that means right. you know it was a notable discussion point so i just hope that we uh someday can move on and actually talk about the patriots and not talk about the patriots in relation to just tom brady everything's speaking, tom brady speaking of the patriots and not tom brady we got some semi news this week with Patrick Chung uh, agreeing to a two year contract extension, which brings him to the year 2023. I do not think he will play out those years and finish playing when he's 36 years old, but I'm sure that those last couple of years will be void years. And this is just helping out the Patriots uh, from a cap space perspective, which they already did by signing uh, their second round pick, Kyle Butter. Yeah. I mean, it's just accounting. And this is how, you know, we've, we've talked about this, you and I, that, you know, everybody thinks maybe they'll do Tooney to create their money, but maybe they'll just piece it together with various small moves like this, whether it's, you know, extensions to create cap space in the initial or just cuts, Jermaine Illuminor, guys that have numbers that might not be around um, when the rubber meets the road to the season. But it also, it increases, I mean, I, I think I read, I think our buddy Pat's cap had it's like three and a half million dead money next year if, if he plays basically this year and then walks yeah. away. Um, so they're kicking the can down the road, but the cap, they're going to have cap space. Like they're in a better position next year than they are now. So they can afford right. that on their books. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, especially even with a, say the cap goes down 20% or something, $3 million next year out of the 80 million they'll have in that scenario, right. something like that. Not that big a deal. Um, cause I think I actually posted a story. Too. I think he's likely, he's a guy that's likely to not be as good this year. Like you're not going to get classic Patrick Chung. I thought he faded and was like dinged up within games late last year. Um, he's yeah, not getting. I, it, I honestly, for the story yesterday, I looked up. He's played either fifteen or sixteen games, uh, five out of the last six years. It doesn't seem like that at all. Well, because he gets dinged up during games, but he's right. always out there. Right. Uh, I just, I think he has taken a step back, and I think his days of being an impact, you know, cover tight ends. I think that was always a little overrated with well, him yeah, anyway. Bill, I think, what was it, two, three years ago, Bill said he was the, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Yes. Yes, he did. I don't think he is anymore. Well, A, a I didn't think he was at the time. Right. And B, I don't think he is even what he was at that time. Um, but, you know, there, I, you know, the story I just posted about, I think it, whatever it was, I came up with eight guys that are probably going to have a step back this year. The bulk of them are on defense. And – a good argument is because they're all old. Their defense is littered with 30 plus year old starters. And yep. you know, that's a dangerous game to play. You know, the Max Kellerman cliff can come for those guys. And when you look at Chung and McCourty, even Gilmore is now a 30 year old player. Uh, Dante Hightower, Lawrence Guy, you have a lot of guys that if they all incrementally take a step back, 
that's bad for the defense. But you're also going to have continuity and leadership. So that's that's the plus side of having old guys that have been together for a while and keeping those guys together. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I, you know, Chung's a guy I've always respected the way he's played and oh, no question. Back and he, the, he, in his role and his size, it's been sort of remarkable that he's been able to stay as healthy as he has the second tour here through New England and then the way Bill talks about, you know, how they found the right way to use him. So he's been a key player, but we'll see if he looks like an old key player uh, moving forward. Yeah, and we also talked to Jonathan Jones in a conference call this week, kind of talked about the defense and keeping that same level. And I think he kind of spoke to – or you can take from his comments, like what you said before, the balance of – having veteran leadership, but also you have a lot of their high draft rookies play on defense, Uche, Jennings, Duggar. So we'll see how that all comes together um, come whenever we see them for the first time. Yeah. He, I mean, he talked about, he thinks there's room for improvement, you know, striving for perfection. If they each, you know, he broke it down individually. If each individual guy goes back and the various plays he could have made, should have made, could have made better. If everybody fixes those, you know, maybe the whole unit can be even better. I have my doubts because A, they're aging, what we talked about, but B, you also lost key guys in Van Oy and Collins and even Deron Harmon. Um, to me, that's three, whatever the core, 15 guys, 12 guys, something that you lost. And then if a couple of the other guys look a little older, the competition's a little better. I mean, I think they're in for a rude awakening. I don't, I don't see any way where they're as good as they were last year. Um, oh, no, no, no chance. So, you know, I, 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 I respect that that's what they're the mentality they're using that we're, you know, if they, every one of us gets better, we're working to well, perfection. You lot. also lost a lot of those guys and didn't really replace those guys. So even if everybody gets better, you're still right. missing out on a, a lot of key guys. And like we talked about before, a lot of their rookies aren't really in a position to make a big impact in 2020. It's more for 2021 and 2022 and beyond. Right. Yeah. You didn't draft like Chase Young and he's going to come in and you're going to say Kyle Vanoy who, even if Uche's good, you know, what's good. He plays 30% of the snaps, maybe has five sacks and you're like, Oh, he was a good rotational rookie pass rusher. Um, you just, it would be stunning if they're better defensively this year. I truly stunning in my mind. Another thing that came up uh, this week was some pro football focus rankings had the Patriots as the 30th wide receivers group in the NFL. I think that was a little low. Like, they're better than that, right? Um, having not exactly, you know, done my own list, I don't know how much better than that they are. I mean – I mean, I just look at it. They have Julian Edelman, one of the – he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL, right? No. No? No. I don't even think he's top 20. Oh, please. Come on. Okay, give me you give me your list. Go. This is going to turn into a much longer debate, but no, I don't have a list. I'm just saying that you have one of the better receivers in the NFL. He's not top ten, and I say I would argue that he's probably not top twenty. Oh, I think I think he's definitely top twenty. He's probably in the ten to fifteen range. Well, no, you just had him in the top ten, so don't try oh. to take him out of the top ten. Well, top ten was like nine or ten. Uh, okay, so you think he's a top ten receiver? Yes. Okay. I can make an argument. Yeah. So I am going to just – let's just start to run it down. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Um, Mike Evans. Yep. Chris Godwin. Sure. Okay. Um, where Michael are we going? Thomas. Huh? Oh, Michael Thomas, yeah. Um, A.J. Green, if he's healthy. It's up for debate. Yeah. 
Julian Edelman. It's not up for a debate if he's healthy. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, Julio Jones. Okay. Forgot about him. Uh, I need to go team by team here because I know I'm forgetting people. Um, do you think either uh, Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs is better? No. I'll give you – okay, neither? No. Yeah, I do. I think Edelman's better than both. Um, how about uh, anybody on the Browns? Beckham. Okay, I'm just asking you. I'm going to let you answer. Seven. Uh, um, Bengals, Browns, Juju? No. No, okay. Um, Balt. See, the other thing is I think there's a lot of ascending talents that could be knocking on the door. I'm not saying which ones, but sure. last year's rookie class, the the Debo Samuels, DK Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, like whoever you want to – McLaurin, although – quarterback issues could hurt him like there could be a two or three receivers from last year's class so right as we're going through this would you admit that he's probably in the top 20 for sure probably in the top 20 I think we're in the middle here maybe he's not a top 10 but I think he's in that 10 to 15 range and I also think we're very much basing that on past performance not no, future no, success no question no question so I think there's at least a group of eight to 10 guys who I 100% would take over him any day, last year, this year, whatever. Then I think there's another group of guys of probably four to six that I would pretty much take over him because they're 23 and he's 34. And, you know, I, I think they're ascending and he's descending because you got, he had a career best in receiving yards last year. Like, yep. what are the chances that happens again, that he has another hundred catches in career best? Well, almost zero. Well, if he's healthy, I think he's the only one that instead of might be able to throw the ball to. So maybe the numbers will be high. You know who? You know who else knows that? Other defenses. Yes, <laughs> he could be double and triple teamed. Go ahead, beat me with Nikhil Harry. Beat me with Muhammad Sanu. I'm gonna double and I'm gonna beat the snot out of uh, Julian Edelman at the line. I'm gonna bracket a guy behind him. I would kick the living crap out of him if I were an opposing defense, which is another reason why I think he won't make it through the year because he barely made it through last year, only on duct tape, tore it all, and guts. So. Right. Maybe he's top 20. I'll give you top 20. Um, but, I guess maybe I have more confidence in Harry and Myers taking a year two jump. Probably, because that's the other thing I would say. If you're going to do the overall core. Like, I'm not, saying, look, I'm not saying they're like a top half, you know, group at wide receiver. I think they're more in the, like, low 20s to mid 20s. Well, low 20s to 30, not that far apart. I, I think – I think they're a bad receiving core because, again, Muhammad Sanu is a complimentary guy who's always been surrounded by elite guys that yep. are better than Edelman. He doesn't have that anymore. He's old. He's coming off an injury. He could be flat out done. Nikhil Harry may never be what he was supposed to be, a number one receiver. Like, there's so many questions there. I mean, Jacoby Myers, we like to fluff him up. But, I mean, is it, would it be stunning if Jacoby Myers was not on the team in a year or two because he's no. a late round – I mean, a undrafted nobody? No. So where, where, where's this? I don't know. I just don't see there's a lot of upside. To me, there's a lot of teams that have one to two receivers that are light years better than the first couple of receivers on the Patriots roster. Yes, but I think I guess I'm putting more stock into Harry. I think he's I think he's going to have a good bounce back year. Okay, see, that's key because I don't. Right. And I, I think that the I really do think having Stidham as his quarterback is 
going to be a big, bigger benefit than people think. I think he was thinking too much with Brady, and he'll just be able to play with Stidham. That's a good column for next Monday or Tuesday, by the way. It is, actually. That'll get read. Yeah. I want I'm you, not, to, put your, I want you gonna... to put about 800 words on the internet with that, that belief so I can go back and point to it later if it's laughable stuff. I'm writing, I'm writing it down. Uh, Harry, year two jump, better because with Brady. Because of Stidham, right. Like, because finally Brady's gone, so Harry can be good. Perfect. That's a good column. Um, the other ranking we talked um, about this week before we did the podcast is the 30th best or worst, however you want to rank it, offseason for yep. the Patriots. That only Bill O'Brien and who was Chicago? the other? Oh, yeah, Chicago, because they have 17 tight ends and a bunch of backup quarterbacks on their roster. Um, and then you have the Patriots. I mean, it's it kind of goes without saying. Like, yeah, I mean, you lost Tom Brady. You didn't really add anybody. Like, it's kinda... right. It's like it's it's superficial and simple, but it could also be one of those that in three years you could say they had a great off season. Right now, yeah. And you look at it, you know, retroactively, if Jarrett Stidham's the guy, then like Bill Barnwell wrote it for ESPN, and he clearly thinks they should have gone and gotten Andy Dalton or one of right. those journeyman jag quarterbacks. Well, no, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, but it will be proven wrong if Jarrett Stidham can play. If he's your starter in three years, then he's part of the positive offseason right now because you didn't waste a body in front of him. Um, right. And, you know, like Kyle Duggar. If Kyle Duggar is any, any of the draft picks, if they pan out, like that's a right. positive offseason. And even if you – I mean, to some degree, are taking advantage of resetting your books. Like, I mean, that's that's kind of the way the Red Sox had a crappy offseason. Like, the whole resetting of books doesn't um, doesn't lend itself to these types of analysis. But if next year you have the $100 million, let's just say the cap's the same, you have your $100 million and you blow it out of the water and get everything you need and rebuild the roster on the fly and suddenly you're a Super Bowl contender a year from now in the fall, then – this was a pretty good offseason because you did what you needed to do to set up that offseason. So right. um, I don't disagree that it's a disappointing or, or questionable offseason. But, that but could, I think it'd be worth revisiting that list in three years because right. it's not going to be the same. It's similar to like, you know, the draft. Oh, you analyze the draft afterwards, which I think you should do. You should analyze it immediately. Right. But you can also look at back at it three years later and say, well, you know, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was because of this, that and the other thing. And I think this offseason could look that look much better in hindsight in about two or three years. We touched on it earlier. Uh, you wrote a story uh, aggregating Ben Volan's uh, story, talking to a bunch of people in the NFL, kind of about what a return is going to look like. Um, were you more hopeful that the league will be able to return after reading it or less hopeful? I was less hopeful. Well, Less hopeful overall because one of the things that jumped out to me was this idea that we're so fixated on the return that we're not focused on the overall execution of a season, which is a bigger deal for football long-term than the others. Like if, if baseball and hockey get back and they're finishing up in September or whatever, some abbreviated yeah. season, okay, then they succeeded and now they kind of wait there for their time next year. Right. The NFL starts in September, but – the coronavirus, this second wave, second peak or whatever hits the fan in November or December, which people say is a possibility. Again, I go with people say for everything. I read scientists. I mean, 
I am not an expert. I just want that to be quite clear. I just use right. whatever I read on the internet or in the newspaper. You know, like I saw one of my big things through this whole thing is for a while projections, the models were like all the rage. There was a new one every yep. day. Yep. And then, then they went down and it was like, it bottomed out like 60,000 people are going to die or less. Well, we're at 94,000 right now dead. So those models, and then they disappeared and people stopped using them. Now, all of a sudden I'm reading some new models that say like 250,000 people could be dead by August or September. And like, there's going to be right. this whole thing. So whatever you, you try to manipulate or work your way through all this stuff. But Ben's story was the first that really brought up the idea that maybe they should think about a shortened season, not starting later. Cause everybody's talked about, Oh, week three and four can be eliminated and do maybe they should try to get the season done before they normally would like go back to the old days where, you know, playoffs started in December and the first or second week is January Super Bowl. Like, I don't know what the timetable would be, but this is the first time where I, and I forget the expert, but the doctor that said, you know, I'm playoffs and Super Bowl, like they might be shut down and that would be the worst case scenario. Oh, for totally. Them. So if they can play some sort of like 10 game season or something, you know, would they play eight in 1982, that strike shortened season? If they could do something like that and get a Super Bowl in, and, and now I know they would probably hate it and be kicking themselves if they went through all that. Well, and that's then what I mean. I don't, that's why I don't, I don't think the league would agree to do that just because you can't base things on stuff that you don't know. Right. It's, that would be a lot like canceling school the night before and then everybody wakes up and there's no snow on the ground. And you're like, right. why didn't we have school today? There's a dusting. There's nothing out here. Right. And I guess the hope is that if it does come back, that there's a better handle of it. People know what to do differently and maybe it won't be as big of an outbreak because I think every story you read now about these sports coming back is everybody acknowledged that there is going to be a positive test. Somebody's going to test positive for it. And it's how do they react to that positive test? Whereas before it was just shut it down. Uh, that was the other thing that I found interesting in Ben's piece getting into details about the NFL compared to others is this idea that I hadn't even considered but you know football locker rooms are generally grouped by positions so you have you know your offensive lineman in these 10 lockers in a row yeah. and he thinks that'll be changed to try to break up the spread because as you said somebody's going to test positive and if you know David Andrews tests positive and to his left in his in the locker room is you know Isaiah Wynn and Shaq Mason and on the other side of him is um, you know, Marcus Cannon, and all of a sudden your entire offensive line has been rubbing elbows when we didn't even know you tested positive, that could totally derail a team. Because, no, you know, Bill always says if you lose multiple players at a position, you're screwed. Right. Whereas if you break it up and it goes, you know, offensive lineman, cornerback, running back, and, okay, it'll suck if we lose three guys, but if they're not at the same position, okay, we can figure out a way to overcome it. And the quote in there was – um, in the story for the Globe was, you know, Tom Brady shouldn't be spending a lot of time around his backup to emphasize that, you know, backup should stay separate. And it's sort of like the um, the government, the designated survivor thing where you yep. not everybody goes to the uh, to the big meetings. So you just in case there's a bomb goes off, somebody's left around to, to run the right. country. Well, let's make sure there's offensive linemen and backup quarterbacks and backup running backs around. So I, I thought Ben actually did a really good job on the story, got some really good um, quotes from experts. Um, but my... I told you this. My biggest takeaway is I think they all have to go down the UFC road and just trust the testing, trust the quarantine, the, the cleaning, the health, all the things that they do. And then when they get to the games, when you get to Sunday afternoon or 
you know, seven o'clock on a Tuesday night if you're baseball or whatever, then just play. I, I really don't want to see overzealous coronavirus precautions take over the sports. We already know there's not going to be fans. So there's already like a dramatic change. But, you know, the whole baseball thing where a baseball needs to be taken out of play if two people touch it and, you know, no high-fiving, no be- – well, they can't high-five in baseball, but we're going to have gang tackles in football. Like, right. at some point, the UFC, they let their guys fight. Like, okay, we all were tested. You tested clean except for those two. We get rid of you. Right. You corner man gone. And then go fight. They didn't ask them to fight any differently or, right. or anything like that. So I think that's the hurdle – that needs to be cleared at some point, almost by everybody, by the public, by the fans, by the players themselves, the owners that like, at some point you got to play ball, you got to compete and it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be a slight, it's like birth control. I always laugh that birth control says it's like 99.9% effective. And you're like, uh Oh, you're leaving a room for that to be, not be effective. Okay. We're going to try to make it as safe as possible for you to get back out there, but there's still always going to be an outside chance. Like, the idea of, of players wearing masks, oh, you know, there's no face masks and like other face masks under their helmet. Like, no, you, I'm sorry. We can't go down that road. No, no. If that's how risky it is, then, then don't, don't bother. Right. right. Then, then shut it down and wait till there's uh, a treatment or uh, a vaccine or whatever. So right. we'll see. I mean, that right there, we started with it. That's the biggest story in sports is how they're going to come back and all that. And, you know, the, the Globe story had one good quote that we've talked about as being obvious, but you know, that Bill Belichick's high risk. Can Bill Belichick be, you know, on the field for practices, on the field for games around all these guys? Because if he gets it, he's knocking on the door of 70. It could be more problematic than if, I don't know, James White gets it and just has a bout of the flu essentially for two weeks. But again, to your point, like if you trust the process, trust that everybody's been tested, right? Trust that. And then you won't have that issue. But you're going to have another sports. The NBA raised the question too. And then even MLB, they have managers in the same situation as that. So, again, I think it comes back to just trust the testing and not change anything on the field and courts and whatever. And I do think, in a weird way, football probably has the best opportunity to be safe. Like, Bill Belichick could be in a booth. Like, he could call down on a headset, sit up there, be quarantined away from everybody, and still contribute because the system, the way they interact, is inherently already has – right communication system which is different sort of than what they're used to in baseball or basketball like it'd be weird to not have your coach in the huddle with two seconds left in basketball greg povich can't call down to the sidelines to design a play for the last second shot right right now ron renicky i mean baseball managers in my opinion are irrelevant anyway so he can be wherever he can he can post a lineup card and then leave and come back after the well, they're not even going to do lineup cards anymore. So all he has to do is log into the app on his phone, put the right. lineup, you know, tell his bench coach when somebody needs to uh, steal maybe, and boom, it's done. Right, right. Plus, they've been using the signals and stuff and, and digital for years in baseball dugouts. They, they're more than capable. Right. All right, uh, we'll come back to you next week. I don't know what we'll have to talk about, but again, just like there was this week, there'll be stuff that comes up. And we can, you know, always formulate something. I mean, yeah. in a world – the biggest sporting event outside the NFL for the last two months has been a documentary, The Last Dance. We didn't even get so, that day, right, yep. Uh, I mean, in, in that landscape where a documentary about Michael Jordan that was produced by Michael Jordan is the biggest story in sports, like, 
we'll have something to talk about each and every week. And you and I have talked, and there's been a lot of comparisons. You know, will the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick ever do a last dance type documentary? I don't know the answer to that. I think there there will be the footage. You know, they won't there won't be any singular um, footage like they gave the camera crews for right. the last season of the Bulls. But when you if you say take take all the stuff NFL Films has done with the Patriots and Belichick over the years. Then take Tom Brady's uh, Tom vs. Time. There has to be a crap load of other Stop footage. Yep. Yeah, never made it. Um, you, and then if you can get Bill and Tom and Robert and three or four people like that to sit down and do the interviews and, and be as open as Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, um, there certainly would be the possibility to have a very uh, entertaining version for the Patriots. And certainly there's every bit as much um, drama. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Patriots over the, you know, not the singular season, but if you did it the way they did it with the timeline and kind of going back and forth and you go back to Parcells and the 96 oh, yeah. and then fast forward Brady leaves. And then you go back to Aaron Hernandez and you go fast, forward, like all the stuff that's gone on with so many players and coaches and it would be a, you could definitely do a, a massive multi-part documentary i just don't know because if brady and belichick don't sign on to do it i have no interest in it well happening. i was just gonna say bill has that relationship with nfl films and if they propose it to him and sort of gave him you know the editing you know cut this if i say so i think he would do it but i don't want that well but the michael jordan thing it was produced by michael jordan had a final say like he cut some things too so right but my point there is like jerry krause died like He's a guy that probably would have liked to have had a little bit of a say right, in the documentary. Yeah. I want Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to do the documentary together or have similar say, similar veto power. If it's one or the other, then I don't really want it because it's not going to be what I'm looking for as a viewer, right. as a fan. So I would need both of them to either give up any say. Like if Tom Brady's willing to say, hey, okay, NFL Films, I trust you, right. like Bill does. Don't make me, whatever, don't make me look like a jackass, but try to be fair, paint us both in a fair light. I think, I think Bill would probably do it. My question is, would Tom sign on to a project that he thinks maybe Bill has more control more over? Right. That's where I think you could have problems. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I would definitely, everybody would love to see it. Even, even not in a coronavirus pandemic, I think that would do huge ratings and be hugely yeah. popular. I think, in general, I think documentaries, because of Netflix and different things have made a huge comeback in recent years, 30 for thirties and all these oh, things. Definitely. And even though we feel like we know, and we've seen a lot about the Patriots, there is just so much mic'd up footage and behind the scenes yep. footage and interviews and honesty. I mean, cause you even, there's a new book coming out. Yep. Um, what's the guy's name? Jeff Benedict. Yeah. That should be interesting. Could be interesting. If depending on how much access he, he really he was got given. It was, and, it was pumped up to get a lot of access, but... Right. So was Michael Hawley, and we all know how that turned out. So, I mean, you can have a lot of access, but sometimes they put the clamps on what comes from that access. I lived that life for 20 years. Yes. I had access that I couldn't necessarily put to good use for a lot of things. Um, so if he's in that case, then it won't be quite as good. But no, overall, I do think the... the who do you think... So, um, a big, do you think there's a comparison between Brady and Jordan as competitors? Yes. Definitely. Like, cause I mean, one of the things that came out of this is like Jordan was a ruthless, relentless competitor, even to the point where 
you know, bullying his teammates, belittling his teammates. I don't think he went that – Brady didn't go that far. But I think there are certain, definitely elements of the competitiveness between them that I think they have. I, I agree. I think there are some similarities. I don't know – I mean, we also don't know if Brady – like, there was that time when Brady called his offensive lineman fat cows in the middle of a practice, screamed it. Right. Maybe there's more of those than we're really aware of. And um, I just think, in general – from afar and close up, it certainly seems like people w- around Tom Brady liked him more than they liked Michael Jordan. I don't, nobody liked Jordan. Yeah, that's a that's a the difference for sure. Yes. Um, but I do think they're both um, fixated almost to um, maybe an unhealthy level on success and winning, and it it takes over their lives. Like we saw it last year with Brady when he yep. was you know the most miserable eight and zero quarterback in history. These guys live and die by winning and losing and where they think they're going and if they're going to win the championship. Um, and I don't think everybody is that way. I think most people aren't that way. I think there's very few. I think Bill's that way. I think it eats at Bill and there's only one thing Bill thinks about. And that's why when you married up Brady and Bill, it was so successful. But right. um, that was my thing. I, I think people like Brady, even people around him like him more than they like Jordan. Definitely. I said on much show, like, I don't think Jordan liked himself. I think some of those tears and, I don't know, episode nine, episode 10, when he's talking about bullying people and how they, like, I think, I don't think he's in love with how he handled things, even though the end result was what he wanted, dominance and success and six titles and all those things. I think there is some regret in in Michael Jordan's life, the way it played out and sort of how he doesn't have um, maybe as tight a relationship with most people as as he could have. Right. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with whatever we can talk about. We'll find something. Yep. Maybe it'll be me talking about fishing or going to the beach or golf. You'll be golfing. Yeah. So you don't have to wear a mask golfing, right? Nope. Yeah. So like the regulations that came out, if you go to the beach, you're supposed to wear a mask. I thought I, I might've read that wrong or didn't read it fully. I I thought the only regulation for the beach was just your towels had to be 12 feet apart. Right. Any like six feet apart and then groupings of 12. So people right. can basically walk down the middle and be six from each part. But right. there was, you know, I read in the local New Bedford newspaper that beaches, um, they were asking anyone over the age of two to wear a mask in any setting where they, there's a chance they won't be more than six feet apart from somebody. Although that doesn't include swimming. You're not supposed to wear it in the water. I but, hope not. Right. And people are drowning because they, you know, protecting from the coronavirus. Great. Right. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we're moving forward. Massachusetts is opening. I'm hoping three weeks from now I can start youth sports. That's all I care about. Baseball practice, basketball practice. Let's go. All right. Talk to you next week. Peace out. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.